Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. fans, welcome to another edition of the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday, Tuesday morning, coming at you live on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Inside Troy. I'm your host, Ryan Abraham, alongside with Chris Trevino. We're going to do a Peristyle Podcast episode today that we're going to also simulcast live on YouTube. And uh, we got a bunch of topics to talk about, the kind of the dust settling a little bit on this uh conference expansion that we've been talking so much about over the last 10 days or so, I guess since, well, I guess almost two weeks now, June, uh, June 30th. So it's been going on a while, but nothing much has really happened after that date, after everything became official. So we're going to talk about the dust settling, uh, some new information that's coming out there, you know, what we think about what's going to happen uh, in the near future and, and long-term uh, with all that. If you have any questions or comments uh, for the show, you can email us podcast at uscfootball.com. You can give us a call or send us a text at 424-254-9141. That's the number. And if you have the uh, Apple Podcasting app, we do appreciate uh, subscribing to the show, following the show, and leave us a five-star review. Of course, if you have your friends out there that know about USC football, you want to let them know about the podcast, that really helps as well, trying to grow the show. And we've been doing this uh, since 2008. Now, Chris hasn't been along, around that long, but he's a, a regular part of the show now, so I want to welcome him in. Chris Trevino, doing a great job covering the team, recruiting, all that kind of stuff. Chris, how are you doing today? Fun fact, I wasn't alive in 2008. <laughs> just so there baby. you go, just to, just to date myself mm. a little bit. I didn't know this was going to be a live show. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, I try to... I, I try to Keeps surprise you. me on my toes. I do. Remember last week when I, I was like, it. by the way, Colin Coward's on the show. Right. As I was like preparing to like get in my car and leave, he just yeah. like threw it at me. Like, oh, you know, this mega media personality <laughs> that has like 1.5 million followers. Yeah. He's going to be on the show. You want to ask him something? Yeah. Yeah. So. And well, did you enjoy it? I did. It was fun. It was very... Sometimes surprises are good. Yeah, I was very, like, even keeled throughout the entire thing. I was got to be like, this is Colin Cowherd. This is a level <laughs> of professionalism. I can't... I can't be full me. I got to... I got to... I got to rein it back a little bit. You want to be full you. And it was funny, like, when, when he comes on and he's like, hey, Chris is there and stuff. And you're like, oh, hey, he knows who I am. Yeah, I blacked out for 10 seconds. What happened? <laughs> what happened? It was good. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Uh, yeah, they did. Week. It's got almost twenty thousand views on YouTube. Our YouTube one was pretty was pretty dope. Yeah, that was good. And a lot of it's like yeah, it was very uh, well received uh, on the podcast and everything. So that was cool. And so if you any of the podcasting apps out there, please subscribe to the show if you can like it, like it. If you can leave a five star review, please do that. I think we got over a thousand reviews on uh, Parasol Podcast on Apple Podcast. So thank you for that. Uh, or a thousand ratings. Um, so thank you, but leaving those reviews does help uh, grow the show. Impresses our bosses over there at corporate, you know, at two four seven sports. Corporate, yeah, those guys are always on our backs. You know, no, technically, they're... Ryan, you're corporate. I'm corporate. You're corporate to me because you're above me. Well, no, you, you. <laughs> I mean, you work for twenty four seven, right? CBS Sports, right? But you're also like the publisher. 
So yeah. you're technically corporate as well. I guess I could be corporate, but there, that's you're, our corporate overlords over there. You're you know? the least corporate corporate you could be, though. <laughs> I try. In terms of like business suits, 10 on the corporate scale, you're like flip-flops and uh, having uh, fish tacos while playing a uh, uh, volleyball. Yeah. That that's where you are in the, the corporate spectrum. I try to do that. I think of you so I get I keep getting random texts about the All American and uh I actually put it out there. There's a tryout for a season five football players. I sent it to a couple of USC players that are interested. Um they need so my buddy's like the stunt coordinator, sports coordinator for the show. And so they need athletes because it's like a I show. saw that I saw that tweet someone put out like looking for athletes. Yeah. Uh, I put. I think I put it on the Peristyle Instagram page. Should I do it? Because here's the thing: your former kick. He's a, he, the he, guy that does this is a former kicker. He kicked in college. Here's the thing: everyone on that GD show, high schooler, looks like they're 40 years old. Yes. And I'm 31, so what the hell? I'm like a tween compared to those guys. So I could go out there. I played football. I could run some routes. I could be shirtless in the locker room listening to uh, Coach Billy. Do a speech or something. Yeah. Well, try it out. So I don't know where it, there's like an email address, but there's tryouts this weekend. But you might see some USC um, players on the All-American. Like now with the NIL stuff going on, like this is one of the things that's pe- beneficial for for USC football players when you're talking about NIL. Like do you need extras for a TV show? You get paid. You know, they can get paid legally now. Um, like when I went on the show, I got paid as like a – I forget what it's called. It's like a specialized, spe- like specialized ec- extra. Like I was an extra, but I was a special, like, cause I had a skill. I was a volleyball player and there's gonna be the same thing for the football player. So, and you could be on there too. Um, but we, yeah. we but actually I get had... people, someone like emails me or texts me or whatever, like, I don't know, a couple of times a week where they're like, Oh, I saw you. <laughs> oh my God. We actually had someone send a question to the two star podcast. Shameless plug. I, I listened uh, to that. Yeah. Oh yes, and they it was a long question, but also broke off into. Did you know that Ryan Abraham is on All American? Do you watch this show? What do you think about it? Yeah. So and I then have. you were like, "This is the most important part of the question," and Gerard was like, "This is not an important part of the question." I had to go in a little bit. Yeah, I hated it. It was good. I hate it. I still got to watch your season though. I've seen the episode because you showed it to me. Yeah. Um, we had it on the screen up here. Yeah. He has it on his phone. He has it on his phone. He shows everyone. I don't show it ever. I couldn't even find it. Like someone asked me for it. I'm like, I don't know where it is. But um, all right, here we say hi. This is this is our studio. If you have if you're watching on YouTube, uh, this is what we are in the studio. Chris and I are here together. Oops, and I had I left our uh, graphic up with the Twitter. Sorry about that. Before we jump into everything, we got a lot to talk to. I just want to thank our sponsor. Trader Joe's, so the LA Times, Chris, I don't know if you know this, they did like a, some kind of survey of like most affordable grocery stores uh, in Southern California. And Trader Joe's came out on top. We had uh, someone, oh, uh, Steve from Beaumont uh, wrote in. He sent us an email and said, in case you missed it, Sunday's LA Times on A15, Trader Joe's came out the cheapest market by far in a 15-item comparison. So uh, not only is the Trader Joe's products uh, and the food that we love. Uh, isn't it really good? It's also very affordable. So congrats to Trader Joe's for that one. But yeah, they got written up in the LA Times. And we. it's funny when something happens to Trader Joe's in the news, people email us because they just associate us with Trader Joe's. So. That's, that's cool. the marketing working. I, apparently it is. Well, uh, congrats to, to TJ's. Yeah. Uh, affordable and delicious. 
yeah, it's like summertime. You're going to eat outside. I'm always going in there picking up stuff. But thanks uh, again for the sponsorship, Trader Joe's. Okay, not really. We don't have any like uh, like breaking news kind of stuff. Well, maybe a little, but it doesn't really involve USC as much. But I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts, Chris, because, I mean, it's been an absolute blitz. Like as far as like early July, what we normally would be covering, where there'd be like recruiting events and things like that, which we are. But having this, um, the the conference realignment stuff going is a, is a little crazy. And, you know, I, I'm i doing radio hits like every day still. Like it's still sort of like coming on. We got to talk to Harvey Hyde yesterday. I hadn't had him on since that happened. But we all thought that like once USC and UCLA left, I mean, it was broke that morning while we were at the Elite 11. It became official later on that evening or that afternoon. And we're like, oh my, okay, who's next? What's happening next? And it's pretty much the dust is kind of settled. And you're like looking around like, is something going to happen? And seems like Notre Dame's not in a hurry. Seems like the Big Ten isn't really in a hurry. I think the Big 12 would like to make a move. The ACC is stuck in that deal for the next 14 years or whatever. So they're probably not going anywhere anytime soon. And, you know, the Pac-12... Um, you know, trying to keep the 10 members that they have together, George Klyovkov, you know, circling the wagons, doing whatever he can. No partnership announcements, no really anything. Like, is this kind of surprising to you that we've sort of just been like, all right, everything's chilled out. Like the Big Ten, we might go into 2024 with 16 teams, no Notre Dame, no anything else. This might just be the way it is. Or a whole bunch of stuff could happen. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I think if you compare it to like, an earthquake, a giant earthquake happened, you know, it's chaos, it's everyone's running around screaming, it's this big event, and then, you know, you kind of, it settles, you know, you, you go back to everyday life, you go back and repair what, the changes that have happened, you kind of deal with the new changes that you have, uh, but for the most part, everything settles, but you still get those aftershocks, and I don't think we have an aftershock coming in the near future, um, because it feels like this thing happened, it was it got put on the open, uh, USC, UCLA going to the Big Ten, and now it's people are in the in the back doors now, in the back rooms, you know, making moves, trying to set up for the next big move, whatever that may be. And I think that's gonna take a little more time now that, you know, the the move has already happened. You have to uh kind of reevaluate, reassess, go back to the drawing board if you're obviously a Pac twelve school. Uh, if you're the Big 12, you have some options to look at. You don't want to rush in anything. You want to take your time. Uh, Notre Dame, the same way. You're, you're Notre Dame. Everyone wants, wants you for them, wants you for their, for their respective conference. So you also have the time. You don't have to rush into anything. Make the, make the move that makes the most sense for you. You know, I think that's kind of what we're seeing right now is everyone sort of taking a step back, reevaluating, reassessing after something major has happened. And, uh, you know, just let it ride for a little bit, the calm before we get another blip or earthquake, if, if you will. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I feel like we're at the point where this was, um, I don't know, we wanted to do like a war analogy. Like, oh, no. it's sort of like, uh, you know, like D-Day. Like, there was a lot of <sighs> prep going on behind the scenes, but no one knew what was going to happen in Nor- like Normandy Beach, right? Like, okay. it's sort of just like. Boom, it all of a sudden happened. Now that, you know, at that point, it was a long slog for, you know, the Allied forces to march through France and get, you know, pushed through to Germany and all that stuff. But it was like that shock, you know, the 
no one expected the attack to come then, you know, the allies, we had, you know, all like, there'd been diversions and other things and they thought the attacks were coming somewhere else. It sort of was like, boom, like it was all of a sudden, I mean, even like a Pearl Harbor thing, it was just like, boom, like all of a sudden, boom, no one knew what's happened. You changed, you know, like Pearl Harbor changed, you know, America, like the world forever, like just that attack. And then, you know, it's, then it took a while, like it took a while for, you know, the United States to get back into it there. Um, it took a while for the allies to push forward and, uh, you know, push the Germans back. But that initial shock was sort of like everything happened. And then what happened after that? I mean, I think it take, it, it's going to take some time. And I feel like you change the game, like basically you, you're playing Monopoly and then all of a sudden, like, um, you know, you move the pieces around, like the, 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 uh, the railroads are now, the utilities, whatever you're, you just change the, the, the rules of the game. And then everyone's kind of looking at the new rules. Like, okay, uh, that $500 bill is now worth a dollar. Like what, what happened? I thought I had a whole bunch of hotels and now I, I don't, you've changed the rules and then everyone has to kind of assess like what's going on. And you don't necessarily have to make a huge move right there. Like if there was something that you could pounce on, like there was up, you know, I think Oregon and Washington would have left right away if they could have, but I think the big 10 would have taken them right away if they wanted them. So now it's sort of like everybody's like looking at their own, you know, what their, 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 their hand has changed. Like what is looking at their cards? What can they do at this point? And it might take a little while, like you're saying, I think for just if people to kind of figure it out, but it's uh, I, I'm not expecting some big stuff to happen, but I feel like the next time it does happen, everyone's kind of figured out their strategy. They're, they're making their plans, contingency plans and all this kind of stuff. And then whenever something big happens, I think there might be like a series of things happen, if that makes sense. That analogy went places. All over the place. <laughs> I had war. I had Monopoly. I had card games. I don't know. But just people's hands I, have changed. Right? right. Everyone's got new hands. The deck's been reshuffled. The hands have been new. New hands have been dealt. Yeah. And some people are in really good position with the new with the new hand. And some people are in a very shitty situation so yeah they have to make some moves make some calls have some discussions and uh find a way to better position themselves moving forward so that takes time and you just can't you know rush in anything especially when it's you know the future of your athletic program and college football team in a sense yeah because if you're not part of one of the super leagues you're probably you know not going to be a factor uh, moving forward. Yeah. And it's like you're Oregon and you're looking at your hand like, oh, I got a full house. You just get like Dante Moore, the five-star quarterback to commit from from uh, the state of Michigan, Detroit area, I believe, and uh, get him away from Jim Harbaugh. And you're like, hey, man, things are rolling. And then all of a sudden someone goes, oh, you don't have a full house anymore. You're now playing Uno. And you're like, what? <laughs> you're like, um, the whole game's changed. So and it, you just got hit with a draw four. Yeah. <laughs> Boom, draw four. Uh, Wait, very important side question. Yes. Do you play, you can stack draws? I haven't played Uno in so long, so I don't know. (laughs) But you know Uh, what I'm saying? Like if someone hits you with a draw four, you can play the draw four. You play your own draw four, and the person next to you has to draw eight. Oh, is that, what? I'm sure there's a rule. Like what what do you play? Yeah, there's different rules. How do you play it? You can stack Uh, them? Or you just like, well, you get draw forward, you're draw I've forward. lost so many friends over that rule. So we usually <laughs> keep it. I don't think you can stack fours. You can stack twos. Okay. But not fours. Yeah. 
Uh, all right. So there was a report that came out from the Sports Business Journal uh, about the um, the Big Ten media deal, which USC is now a part of the Big Ten, or they will be in 2024. So this new media deal that basically was put on hold because they were going to add USC and UCLA, we've talked about it before, being like a billion dollars, you know, um, what, 70, $80 million per school uh, for the deal. Well, now... Um, ESPN and NBC, according to the Sports Business Journal, are showing renewed interest in the UCLA USC editions. And it's not just like the tier one stuff. There's the other tier, you know, tier two, tier three things. Streaming services can get involved. Of course, the Big Ten Network is huge, and Fox owns, I think, 61% share in the Big Ten Network now. But to be so, just kind of sum it up adding USC and UCLA to the Big Ten was very, very attractive to their television partners and potential partners. Like if an NBC gets involved, does that make it easier for Notre Dame to join the conference? Uh, some of the numbers they threw out there was supposed to be over a billion dollars. And they said adding USC and UCLA could add 15% to that. And if there's a bidding war, even more than that. And that's definitely why are they adding USC and UCLA? Well, um, if you're adding 15%, you know, to that billion dollar package, um, that's, that's more, and a lot of that is USC. Um, like if you added teams that are currently in the conference, like if you had like Ohio State and Michigan, they would add like 15% probably or, or even potentially more. If you're adding Minnesota and Purdue, it probably wouldn't move the billion dollar thing. So that's why you're adding a USC and UCLA because it's not just making the pie bigger, but you're, you're adding a couple extra slices and everyone's- the value. Yeah, everyone's slice is still worth more. So- that kind of stuff is interesting. You're seeing these numbers come out. We could know more really soon, but it, USC fans, you should pay attention to this Big Ten media deal because this money is basically the main reason why USC and UCLA are going there. Um, and, I, you know, is it going to be even bigger than what people are expecting? Uh, will NBC be involved? Will ESPN be involved? You know, is it Fox? It's going to be like all Fox all day. Streaming services. So all that stuff, this is like, this is like kind of, Landscape. Everyone's paying attention to this because it's kind of landscaping changes in college football. And I guess the biggest thing for fans is they can finally watch it somewhere. You know, not Big the Pac-12. No, you can watch it somewhere and it's going to be everywhere. And you don't have to worry about stealing your buddy's Pac-12 login, Pac-12 network login. Should I? I don't know if I should cancel. I've kept Sling <laughs> no. throughout the offseason because... I'm paying like 40 bucks a month for this thing and I never watch it like I should, but I'm just just for the pack. I can. And the good thing about the streaming services is, is like, you can literally just like turn it off for a few months. I should have turned it off and I haven't done that. Um, it's really easy to do that. You can turn it off and turn it back on. Um, and we're but, already coming back up on the seasons. So I know. Like, so like now it's kind of pointless, but you know I know there's going to be like a pack 12. There's obviously a pack 12 game coming up. I don't know which one it is. It's one of the early ones. Yeah. There's definitely be Pac-12 Network games, but I watched it through, like I used it for basketball season. I used it for watching like spring football practices, but right now I don't necessarily need it. But you can you can check out some stuff on the Big Ten. Um, I have YouTube TV. Can watch my Terps when they play. Yeah, Big Ten. So you have YouTube. I have also have YouTube TV. You do too. Yeah, I do like it. I mean, I don't know. I just yeah, I've cut the cord a while back and. Uh, it's been pretty cool. YouTube TV, if you want to sponsor the two-star podcast, I am desperately looking for a sponsor. So please. Nice. Anyone. Anyone. YouTube I don't care TV, what you, I don't care what your business is. If you're if you're a UC fan, you have a business and you want to sponsor me, I'll do it. Yeah. I will sell out. Uh Chris is if it, yeah. We are we gonna do a fake sponsor 
at some point? Oh, that's a good question. We haven't done that. That was like a family feud. Yeah, thing. yeah. That was we were supposed to do it, Ryan, and then you got sick. Oh. For spring. And then it got derailed. Okay. But I think I'll do it for special occasions. Okay. The fake sponsor so, stuff was really funny. Part so I have to figure out when when that happens. Yeah. Uh, maybe during the season I'll do it for like game weeks and stuff. So cool. Bring it back, but only for special occasions, Ryan. All right. Uh, also, I wanted to uh, say like a heartfelt goodbye uh, to our our friend Brandon Sosna. You know, USC's former chief of staff. He posted on the Peristyle this week, so it was really nice. A thank you to everyone. It's a huge thread. Um, it's got like hundreds and hundreds of likes. Close to two hundred replies already. Wow. 817 likes, which might be the most I've seen ever. I think and that especially in that short of a period of time, right? Right. I think Dan's farewell had a lot, but I don't remember off the top of my head what it was. Yeah. But just seeing like 817 is uh that's a big number. It's pretty impressive. And it's funny. And people didn't like when I first met Brandon and realized he was a huge message board guy from his days in Cincinnati. And that he would read the Peristyle. I can't even tell you, like, now he's gone. But, like, I mean, I would get texts from him. Did you see this thread on the Peristyle? I'm like, Brandon, you read the Peristyle more than I do. Uh, it's pretty funny. Um, and there was there were some old threads when I, like, kind of touted that I really like Brandon. And he's a smart, young, up-and-coming guy in this industry. And he's going to do great things. And I got crushed and... They were saying, fire Brandon, fire Mike Bone, and all this stuff. Uh, there was a war room where we, I wrote a bunch of th- things about why they couldn't fire Clay Helton with the contract and all this kind of stuff. And, man, people were destroying me. And I I bumped that thread so people could go back and look because it was funny to, like, compare that to the, the goodbye thread where everyone's just mm-hmm. thanking Brandon. At the time, they weren't really ready to do that. And to be fair, the USC fans were beat up after, like, six years of, of Clay Helton. They didn't want to hear it anymore. Um, but yeah, it's fun going back and looking at some of those threads. Uh, and Brandon knew about him. Brandon knew about what was being said. So I think he appreciates the, the fact that people kind of came around, but you know, to like hire Lincoln Riley and then join the big 10, it's like, I don't know what you, could you make bigger moves than that? I, I don't think so. And Brandon was a big part of all that. The biggest moves you could have made. Yeah. Pull them up, pull them both off that admin. So. I'm going to miss him like when we were doing our live tunnel visions, like I'd look down at my phone and he's like texting me something about I'm like, he was just so involved. Like he's always working. Like it was, you know, this is part of it would be part of his job. Like he wants to see what we're saying about USC and um, all stuff. But coming anyway. to the, the meetups for games. Yeah. He would come to the meetups. Like he was, he was definitely involved and like, you know, like I couldn't, it's night and day compared to what like a Lin Swan was, you know, no. You weren't going to see anything like that. Sawani, um, I think you should leave that pinned for the entire season. Which one? The, the thank you. The thank you? We could do that until they lose a game then or something. then, uh, Or they lose another offensive line recruit or something, then people will get mad. But it was cool. Like It was good to see the thank you uh, being well-received. Um, there's also John Wilner tweeted this morning. I just want to kind of touch on this. You can read his report. Um, the U- UC Board of Regents... Um, could be muscling up against uh, UCLA. Um, you know, this the not even the most shocking part of this is that UCLA was so willing to leave Cal, uh, you know, their sister school, 
you know, there's that loose relationship between USC and Stanford. There's a much stronger relationship between USC, I mean, not UCLA, and Cal. I mean, they share the same fight song. Uh, Cal's athletic department, they have like 30 sports. Not doing as well either. UCLA said, hey, we're going to lose sports unless we we're able to get more money. So there could be some litigation. Um, you can read John Wilner's reports, but just something to kind of pay attention to. Doesn't really shouldn't really impact USC unless they somehow were to be able to block the move. I think the Big Ten would still be taking USC. That might be you know if they block UCLA, they might go after like Oregon or something or you know Stanford. Uh, who knows? But um, I don't think this impacts USC at all. But the UCLA Cal aspect that's something to kind of watch. Yeah, I would Keep pay attention item. to that. Yeah, because that's. Uh, I mean, that, that's basically like, you know, you guys are living, you, you have two brothers living in the poor house and one of them's like, uh, I got a benefactor, I'm out. Um, and you just leave your brother behind without so much as telling him that you were leaving. In the middle of the night? In the middle of the night. Uh, so, I don't know. And the, the foster parents are like coming after you. I, I'm not sure what the best analogy is, but maybe something along those lines. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. I don't. It's just something to, to watch. There's something that's going on here. Fair enough. Yeah, cool with that. Uh, I think that's it for the sort of top. Oh, oh, the uh, early countdown, the early early thirty countdown. So this was. Yeah, it's not a countdown to someone turning thirty. It's the top. The top uh, thirty, like with most irreplaceable players. Most important, uh, I would say, irreplaceable is a good place to start because that is sort of. The main factor point that we did, so just to explain it a little bit, this is our third year uh, doing the most important uh, Trojans for the whatever season we're in, so 2022. Uh, We started it in 2020, the COVID year, because we needed content desperately. So we made this list, did it last year, and now we're doing it this year. Me and Shotgun, we're kind of running point on this, and... We just started it. Uh, this the, We're at uh, 27. We'll be dropping today. But, uh, Ryan, I did want to get your early thoughts on the early part of it. But for just a little background on how we made the list, we had most of the staff create their own top 30 most important lists. Actually, 35 because we wanted to do the first, the first five that didn't make the cut uh, or the top 30. So it was 35. And then we tabulated uh you know you got points based on where you were ranked uh and then that created a master list that was a composite of all the uh five lists and then shotgun and i had uh, about an hour discussion where we kind of went through the list and sort of added the human element of well this person is ranked x but i i just have a hard time seeing them ranked above this person so we would we would move and sh- we would shift and uh, tinker with the uh, the list based off the numbers. So we added our own sort of human element into it with the discussion, and that has produced the final list. And yeah, right now we're just getting through it. Like I said, twenty seven will be dropping uh, today. If you're watching today, you can check that out. Should be up by this afternoon. But pretty much they're gonna drop. Pretty much every day until you know we get into that uh, that fall summer camp kind of deal for the Trojans. Yeah, and I think we're going to do some other stuff following up. We'll do a more com- comprehensive breakdown at the end, and then we'll probably tinker with it 
before the season actually starts. And then we'll probably do one after the season. Like, how did we do? Where did it stack I like up? It. Yeah. And obviously, injuries can happen. So we're going to stay firm to the list. And then that'll be tinkered afterwards, unless it's something like super dramatic. Uh, but yeah. So, Ryan, I just want to get your reaction to what we have so far. It's not a lot, but no. the first five out, uh, we have tight end Ma- Malcolm Alp- Epps, excuse me, uh, wide receiver Gary Bryan Jr. Uh, transfer defensive lineman from Wyoming, Solomon Bird. Uh, transfer from Kansas State defensive lineman, Tyrone Teleni. And then freshman, athlete, slot, running back, Relique Brown. Those were the first five out. Yeah. And um, the, the and first he, three, you know, from 30 to 28, all offensive players. I, it's interesting because when I was doing my list, like how is this going to work? I feel like... There's definitely some key offensive players that are going to be at the top that you could probably guess. But then, like, the kind of meat of it, I think there's going to be some defensive players because there's maybe not as much depth, right? Mm-hmm. But then when you get down the end, there's, like, well, which – there's not that many running backs, so I think all of them are going to have to be in there where you have Rayleigh Brown in the just outside of the top 30, you know, Austin Jones being at number 30. Um, there's a bunch of receivers – so, like, where do they fit in? I think, you know, you have uh, Brendan Rice's 28, uh, the, the latest one that, that came out. Yep. You got a bunch of tight ends. You know, Jude Wolf is in there coming in at number 29. You had mentioned Epps. Um, and then there's there's some of those defensive players that, like, hey, can Tyrone Tolini be a big factor? Like, he could Bird be a big factor? Potentially, but you're not really sure. They're kind of – I feel like where we're now – you know, the, the eight players that we know on the list are kind of depth people that maybe you're not sure that they're going to be, you know, big contributors. But some of the guys are higher on the list where you weren't as deep. So those depth guys, like if, Brent, if Brendan Rice doesn't plan out, like there's a whole bunch of other guys that could. If like, you know, Tyrone Tallini doesn't pan out, there might not be as many guys that could kind of fill in there. So it, it's that'll be kind of interesting to see as we get to the top. But I think the meat... After like the initial, the first few guys, you're like, yeah, you know, you know, you need these guys. There's going to be a, a bunch of defensive players, I think, that are just like, right. all right, this is, you know, USC is not as deep on the defensive side. They need these guys, especially with, with linemen and, uh, and you know, where you know the offensive linemen um, with the veteran guys coming back, I think they're going to be pretty high in this one too. Um, and you know, there's going to be a lot of transfers that are on this list, which is. Also interesting, right. you know, so a lot of guys that just weren't around last year that are going to be, you know, more irreplaceable than you would think of just someone transferring in, you know, like if you would have said last year, like Ismail Softshore, I think he was probably on the list, right? And did. I believe he was, yeah, I believe he was initially top 10. Yeah. And did um, nada. You and know? he got hurt. So I think we, I think we made an audible and like, uh, tinkered it in the middle of it and dropped him down because I believe he was coming off the compartment leg syndrome. Yeah. So it wasn't – obviously, it didn't work out for anybody. So he's gone now. Actually, I don't know where he's – if he's landed. Anywhere. I don't know. He's in the portal still, I think. Um, Woof. Um, but, yeah, just just what you mentioned, uh, I agree with you. More so the depth defensive guys are way more important than on the offensive side. Like, there's not a lot of wide receivers – on this list, 
spoilers, Jordan Addison, high on this list. Uh, but a guy like Brendan Rice, we wanted to get on there, I think, just because he is sort of one of the more unique wide receivers in that he has size. USC's wide receiver unit is not super big. Obviously, Drake London was a hoss last year at, you know, that six foot five. Well, I guess technically, based on the NFL measurements, he's not even six four. So they don't really have that sort of big receiver. I know Kyle Ford is a big guy, but he's not. He's he's what, Ryan? Yoked. He's yoked. Not more so than, you know, has the height. But Brendan Rice, you know, six foot two, maybe pushing six foot three a little bit. Built, yoked guy himself. He could be that 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 guy who's, you know, high pointing balls, you know, winning those one on one matchups in the air, like Drake was last year. They don't have a lot of that. Jordan Addison has really nice ball skills. He's really good at that too. But, you know, he's barely six foot. Yeah. You know, he's he's not a big guy like that. He's a speedster. Brennan Rice is gonna be your big bodied wide receiver. That's why I think it was important for him to get on that list. And just also with the tight ends. You know, Jude Wolf, Malcolm Epps are separated by one person there. We don't – I know that the tight end position is going to be, I guess, important, and that's something we've been talking up all – since Lincoln Riley got here, it's that, you know, what's the narrative been, Ryan, that tight ends have not been used no. properly or at all or inconsistently. Right. And they haven't played well uh, through the last several years. You know, probably since, you know, Daniel Mortabebe in 2017 was the last time we had like wow. a, like a, oh, like an all Pac-12 kind of tight end. And that was like Darnold's freshman year, I think. Right? Yeah. It yeah, was yeah. Like, yeah. And so it's a running narrative and it's something we talked about ad nauseum on like the family feud every season. It's like, I have so much stock in the tight ends and I'm. I'm like, every year I think, this is the year. As a former tight end myself, like, this is the year the tight ends break through. And we thought that would be the case with, like, a Graham Harrell with his air raid offense that, you know, no has done some stuff with the tight ends. But, no, didn't that didn't pan out. And now there's this opportunity to buy stock if you want because Lincoln Riley, what he does with the tight ends, I think a lot of people, I think, I think – that has a lot more – what's the word I'm looking for? There's a lot more proven track record with the tight okay. ends and with his offense and he'll tinker with it and he'll get those guys in position to make plays. And the H-back role is really important to him for this offense and that's, you know, a position Taylor made for tight ends in terms of, you know, being asked to do a lot, whether it's block, whether it's uh, be a lead blocker on a runner, pass protection, uh Play action uh, receiver, run out as a play action receiver, uh, flash out, whatever, whatever that may be. So it asks them to do a lot. So I think the tight ends could have a breakout season. And it's a position that's not that deep, though. You know, Josh Fowler's working on some injuries. Ethan Ray, he's had the two knee surgeries. Seems like he's the healthiest he's ever been, but just don't know what you're going to get out of him. Right. So at this point, you only really have three healthy tight ends, and that's assuming that Lake McCree, who had a knee injury in can spring, he be back? Yeah. can he be back in time? You don't really know what's going on with that. But Lake obviously has a super high potential as a pass catcher. We saw that last year, and he could be a monster with that H-back role. So, But Malcolm Epps and Jude Wolf were kind of the two guys in spring, Malcolm Epps being that flexed-out tight end, and then 
Jude Wolf kind of holding down that H-back spot in spring. So that's why I think we went with Jude Wolf a little bit higher than Malcolm. And both those guys have untapped potential as receivers. As we know, this offense has not utilized them as receivers. Uh, so it could be a breakout season for, you know, a Jude who only who's played in 19 games, only has 10 catches in his career as a redshirt junior. So he I feel safe in saying, you know, assuming he's going to be the main guy at H-back, that he's going to double his career uh, numbers that he's had so far. So sure. and the Malcolm Epps could be a massive weapon in the red zone. We just got to see it, though, yeah, because we talk about it all the time. But in a Lincoln Riley offense, I think we feel a lot more confident that. That this could be something for this position. Yeah, you have you have talent there. It's probably going to be utilized. You feel more, better about that in the Lincoln Riley offense. I had ups higher. I just think um, just from the guys I talked to, it, it just seemed like everyone feels like Epps is going to have like a huge year. So um, not that Wolf can't, but I just I feel like Epps is going to have a pretty big one. Um, yeah, and like I said, I, th- I just think I fought for Wolf harder just because he was the H back in spring. Yeah. And I think that is like a very important position. So that's why I went with him just slightly over Epps. Yeah. All right. Um, cool. I think that's about it for the topics we have. We want to try to get to some of your comments. I know we're doing this at, we were starting at nine in the morning on a Tuesday. So not ideal. Everyone's in rush hour. As far as live stuff goes, we have over a hundred people watching <laughs> at nine in the morning. I don't, so I want to get to some get of the it. questions because I think the, our little question thing stops. The ability to put it on the screen stops after like an hour or something. So we'll do some of those. After an hour? That's weird. I know it's kind of weird. I, I'll figure it out. But uh, we'll do some of the, the questions. I already put some comments and stuff before. And then we'll get to our regular email questions and stuff. Um, but a quick one from Manford. What happened to intern Nicole? So uh, she got she graduated. Uh, she got her master's broadcast journalism at USC. Can I get an applause? And got a great. Yeah. Oh, let's do. Yeah, uh, come on. Yeah. Come on, man. Um, she got a job offer in Waco, Texas. So she's going to be an on-air reporter down in Texas. I think doing um, in Waco, so where Baylor is, you know, won a national championship in basketball, uh, won, won the, the Big, Big, Ten, Big 12 in football. So not not a bad. And as far as like the way it usually works is if you're graduating for broadcast journalism, you go to a market and every market's numbered. Um, like New York is one. LA is two. I think like the Bay Area is like six or something. So it's basically about how many, how big the market is. I think Waco's up there. Like it's like in the 50s or 60s or something. It's pretty high. To get your first job um, in that high of a market is is great. A lot of times like, hey, you want to work in LA. Well, you got to go to like Montana first and work in market like 300 and then sort of move your way up. But congrats to Nicole. Um, so she's down there. Uh, we tried to get her on one last show. It just didn't work. Oh, I think she still has our helmet, by the way. I got to I gotta ask her about that. Why does she have our helmet? Uh, she used it for something. So, And I, I just realized the helmet. I'm a terrible podcast co-host. I did not realize the helmet wasn't here. It is not. I'm looking at the rankings now just because I'm curious. Okay. The rankings. Can you, the, 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 the one, the market rankings. Oh, okay. For media. Can okay. you name the top five? Okay, so New York, L.A., sure, Chicago. Oh, okay, he's on a roll. Houston? In the top ten, but not top five. They are uh, eight. Let's see. Uh, Atlanta? Top ten, but not five. That's their number ten. Jeez, Dallas? 
Five. Okay. So you're missing one. So I'm missing four. Um, San Diego's up. I think San Diego's top ten, but I don't think they're top four. Um, I don't know. Who's four? Do you want a hint? Yeah. East Coast. East Coast. Miami? No. Um, Boston? Nine, but no. It is Philadelphia. Philly, okay. Philly. Uh, Interesting. Motherly love. Yeah, very cool. But yeah, so those are... Uh, what's what's like San Francisco, like the Bay Area? It's like six. six. Yeah. So I thought I got that one. And then San Diego's top ten. They're like San Diego's not top ten. They're not. I'm not okay. seeing them. I'm looking for Waco, San Antonio. Shout out to my parents' homes, homes town. Where's the DMV? Hey, hey, hey! Why don't you uh, shout seven? Okay. Not bad. Seven, seven, seven. Uh oh! So one Kings fan. Came up with Philadelphia while we were talking. So, yeah, you're right. Oh, there you go. Nice job, Kings fan. Um, I thought some of the Texas ones were awesome. Okay, so let's uh, let's let me put some of these questions up here. Look, looking for Norman, Oklahoma. Oh, oops, I put the wrong. Oklahoma City, forty-one. Oklahoma City. Yeah, I'm trying to put uh, a question up. There we go. Uh, this one is from Tyrese. Okay. Will chemistry be an issue for the Trojans with all the transfers coming in? Yeah, we we get this question a lot, and I think it is sort of a under maybe not underrated, but it is a storyline that maybe not that's not like at the forefront. But I do think it's something that you we as media and I think fans should pay attention to with the chemistry. Just because you are bringing in a bunch of different people from a different, you know, ages, you know, they're not all freshmen. These are like some of these guys have been in college for multiple years, coming from different programs, did things differently at different colleges. And it's not like you're bringing in a couple. You're bringing in over what what is the list now, like 18 or something. You're bringing in close to 20 transfers. So, yeah, I think 21 or something. Yeah. So you're close to two dozen going up there on and so that's definitely something that needs to be you know addressed and i think lincoln has mentioned it you know they bring in they vet them they bring the they bring in the right guys that they want the guys who they think they're going to fit in the culture because you just can't be going out grabbing transfers for the sake of grabbing a transfer because it only takes a couple of bad apples to kind of like ruin the culture you're trying to build or, or the locker room you're trying to do, especially with a team that's coming off a four and eight season. Yeah. So, and he mentioned, you know, when they bring these guys on visits, they're also using the team and the players to kind of vet them as well. It's like, Hey, uh, Johnny, you hosted Stevie. Uh, what do you think? Do you think he fits? Do you think he's a right guy to join this locker room and join this team? And do you think he'll have any issues, you know, transitioning to what we're doing here? What do you think, Stevie? What do you think, Stevie? And yeah, so they use like two methods of, of vetting in terms of, you know, the coaches doing their homework before they bring them on the visit. And then the players who they're mainly around on the visit help them with that, with that as well. Um, and right now I haven't heard anything about any sort of chemistry issues. No. And because when I see the players interact, like when I see a Jordan Addison and like Caleb Williams and Mario Williams interact, it's like they've been friends for like, it's like they've been roommates for like, two years or something. Yeah. That's how like comfortable they are. So I think, and it helps when you have like a guy like Caleb, who's like so personable and 
is a leader in that in that regard. I think it's easier to foster that chemistry kind of through him and through everyone. So I think they're okay for that right now. But obviously, it's something we'll 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 notice in the uh, in the fall when we see the the new guys coming in. Yeah. All right. Let's uh, go to Blackie Chan plays. Uh, should USC be concerned? And not getting these top offensive linemen. And how much of uh, NIL is the cause of us not getting these last two offensive line recruits? What do you think, Chris? First off, we'll be talking a lot more about this on Two Star, the Composite Two Star podcast. Yes. Plug. Shameless plug with me and Gerard. It was a two-hour and 45-minute yeah. show last week. Yeah. That's what I get for skipping the week prior. Yeah. I think it might be our most listened to episode. So they've been really popular. Like our emergency one has been the most popular like this year, I think. I think the Cowherd one is up there, but the, we've had some really popular composite ones too. So we, we track well in the in the uh in the uh the downloads. So yeah. thank you for that. For anyone who does listen and hope we get some new listeners moving forward. But yeah, I mean, I think there is sort of a concern because I was I was thinking that USC would at least get one of those guys, you know, Francis Maoyoga or Lucas Simmons. USC had been sort of a leader for Lucas for quite some time, and then sort of Florida State really surged there at the end with Tennessee making moves as well. So that is a setback, and that is, you know, something that, needs to be addressed should you be worried though i guess that's the main point of the question i think you should be i guess a little concerned i don't think you should be full out worried because remember this is still a team that won four games last year and i and i still think usc is recruiting a little bit more so on faith and you know if usc had won went to a bowl game last year or won nine games last year or went to the championship last year, it'd be a lot more easier. It'd be a lot easier to recruit some of these, these top offensive linemen. So I think, I think just USC needs to get into the season, start winning some games, start blowing out some people, uh, start racking up some wins and that's going to make everything a lot easier. And, you know, you still have the ability to flip, especially if you win, 10 games and go to the Pac-12 championship. You know, if Florida State struggles where, like, a guy like Lucas Simmons is committed, you don't think you can step in there? You know, if they're if they're talking about Canning Norvell, who was, you know, kind of on the hot seat a little bit earlier uh, this year. So, you know, you just got to play for that at this point. If you still want to pursue Lucas Simmons, was I, which I think they will, and you got to get back to, you know, the recruiting board. You got you to gotta see who's – you got to move some guys up. There's a Spencer Fano out there. There's Caleb Lomu, who you offered uh, last month. So you got to go back to the board. And, you know, Transfer Portal, that can help ease some of that pain in the offseason. You just got to hope some guys come in. But I don't think outright worry needs to happen because, again, you know, Lincoln Riley, all that momentum, big recruiting weekend. I was very optimistic coming up that weekend, but, you know, I think – comes down to brass tacks. USC only won four games last year. So yeah. they still need to get that stank off of last season get a little bit. Get that stank it's off also, a little bit. It's also July. 
It's also July. Mm. Don't sign into December. Yeah. You know, if you come out there, drop 60 on rice, that looks good. You come out there, put 40 on Stanford, you know, you got some momentum and you can kind of use that. So, I mean, be a little more patient. It is July, as Ryan said. And to the last part of that question, NIL, I think NIL does play a role. But I think USC is competitive enough as a program, just with Lincoln Riley, that they should be able to overcome those NIL things. But it also helps if they're winning. You know, yeah. if you, you add that with Lincoln coming off a 10-win season, I think that's so much easier than, than, than to overcome maybe if, you know, someone is offering a little bit more or whatever with their NIL package or collective or what have you. So that's obviously something you need to account for. So I, I do think NIL is playing a role. And I, yeah, because I don't really think that Josh Henson or Sean Nua are bad recruiters in that sense, in that sense, or Lincoln Riley's a bad recruiter. I no. Mean, I no. think there's some unfair criticism that way. Too, yeah. But, yeah. So I just think, you know, NIL just adds this other wrinkle that some teams need to adjust for in terms of in how they recruit and factor that in. Because pound for pound, if you're just, if everything's equal and, you know, there's no NIL, I think USC would be a little bit closer than, you know, what what they finished for these for these last two guys. Um, but again, it's only July. You yeah. have time. Win some games. You know, Gerard likes to say winning. You got to win games. Winning doesn't fix everything, but it fixes a lot. It does. And this is, you just have to look at where USC was, you know, a year ago, uh, just last September, you know, even in November, spiraling, you know, losing all those games going four and eight. This is a pretty epic turnaround. And I think people just kind of feel like, oh, it should be complete. You know, everything can't change overnight. It took a while to get set things up to hire a guy like Lincoln Riley. He's made, you know, he's made the most unique college football roster in history is the way he described it, which I get. Um, but it's going to, I think it's still going to take to, to make it everything work. It includes recruiting some of those top linemen. I think it's going to take some on the field stuff. It hasn't even, you know, I haven't played a game yet. So I would be a little patient on that. I mean, there's, you know, you can be concerned for sure, but I think you can uh, be a little patient and see what, how this plays out. We got a question from uh, Aaron Palmer. Any validity, validity to the rumors that Jordan Addison is pissed about his current situation? Uh, no, that came from like a Texas board. And we thought that was bunk from the beginning. Chris, have you'd heard anything about that, but it's like, it's he Jordan Addison's tweeted since then, like September third. They focused on September third. Yeah, he's whatever. not. Um, that that was uh, er- I believe that report was erroneous. Yeah, I haven't really heard anything that confirms that, or even like makes it seem like that's what's going on. I even had someone hit me up about in regards to that rumor. And sort of also adding to the fact that there's also like whispers out there that he's not enrolled. Yeah, which like is there, like there's photos of him working out. Like he was in, introduced at Salute of Troy. Yeah, he is at workouts. You know, I've seen him at campus multiple times. So like, like that right there is like a thing you can point to. Is like, well, that's like clearly false. So it kind of 
throws water on all, all the other stuff. So I don't – I personally and I, I'm just – things I'm – I guess I'm not hearing, that's not that's not the case. So I know that's become like this big uh, story over the last couple of days. Yeah. Because um, that's how things move. You know, one person posts something and then it becomes like this whole thing for 72 hours and we got to talk about it. Yep. Uh, let's go. We got one from Mr. Paul. Uh, do you think the Pac-12 will be petty and reduce USC and UCLA's exposure on TV uh, on the Pac-12 network? Pac-12 Media Day will be awkward, to say the least. Um, so the Pac-12 doesn't control that. So basically, um, I mean, we know some of the Pac-12 network. They're not going to relegate USC and UCLA to Pac-12 network because if the networks want, and they'll probably want USC and UCLA even more now because they'll be talk about them. Um yeah, so they're gonna. I think they'll be more desirable. I don't think the Pac-12 is in a position to be petty and get rid of, you know, their bigger ratings generators. Uh, they have to try to right the ship. They need to get that their own house in order, and they have this asset, USC and UCLA sports, for the next two years. So I don't think you can relegate that to the back room. You have to utilize that asset to try to build up what you're going to have. It's not like, oh, USC and UCLA are leaving. We're not going to put them on TV anymore. That doesn't really make any financial sense. Um, and and they're not really in a position to do something like that uh, anyway. Any thoughts on that, Chris? Nope. You said it all. Okay. And I just got approved for Pac-12 Media Day. So oh, you did. Very nice. Um, cool. All right. Well, why don't we do this? Let's uh, take a quick break. Um, and we'll come back. And we got a bunch of email questions we want to get to. And I think one voicemail. So back in a minute. All right, we're back here on the Peristyle Podcast, uh, also on uh, YouTube, our tunnel vision show, simulcasting the Peristyle Podcast on YouTube Live. We got more people watching live again, Chris. This is great. How many? Uh, what do we got right now? Uh, 130 or something. Not bad. Uh, very cool. Thank you guys for doing that. We are back and uh, we want to get into some of the questions. We have a voicemail, so let me play this for okay. you. Hey, uh, Ryan. Um, was on uh, the website. Oh, you know what? I want to say hi to Chris, too. Um, uh, Ryan was on the website and was checking out the scholarship distribution um chart looks like there's still several openings um left on there that could have a a few transfers uh fit into but you know the season's approaching pretty quickly does uh, you know it doesn't seem like we'll have a full 85 man roster on usc's roster for the fall so my question is do you think that um coach riley was nervous that the ncaa might investigate usc because Voorhees and Solo are getting so yoked that the NCAA might require them to, or require USC to give each of them two scholarships since they're bigger than, you know, one man alone. That's my question. If not, why do you think there's the open slots? Okay, bye. I don't think they're going to count as two. To be fair, but I get it. Great, I get, I get your that concern. Was, that was a great setup. 
It was. It was a little, the, the delivery was a little I, slow. I was listening. I was like, "Is this going and it somewhere?" Got me, and then it got me. Yeah, it was good. Shout out to the Yoke Boys. Uh, yeah, the Yoke Boys. What do I have the number at right now? It is like eighty-two. Um, I think you just want to leave some wiggle room. Yeah, going into fall camp because obviously you could give a scholarship to walk on with with that extra uh, with those extra ones. You know, maybe someone jumps into the portal, you know, in the middle of fall camp. They don't like their situation. You know, I know the deadline is passed, but there's all there's always waivers. Yeah. There's like a thousand waivers you can do. So, you know, maybe a, a star player at a position you need, like a star offensive lineman, enters the portal. You got a scally that's mm-hmm. open. So I think you just always want to have a little bit of wiggle room. Um, so that's that's the theory. Yeah. The theorem. Someone gets hurt. I mean, there are still guys in the portal that entered before the deadline, so you could bring them in and yeah, all that. There's so. still some guys out there, so you just want to have a little bit of a yeah. The fact that they're back up in the 80s already is pretty good. A little extra spending cash. All right, well, let's get to some emails. John in Columbus, Georgia, says, "How long has the Big Ten deal been in the works?" Uh, when we had more details about Lincoln Riley's compensation package, I was pleased to see it. To be fair. No details have come out about that package. That was just an initial report that people went with that I don't think was accurate. But anyway, uh, but became concerned with the economics of it all when the athletic department continued to make more investments in staff support, et cetera, especially given the horrible revenue arrangement we had with the Pac-12. How possible likely is it the Big Ten move was on Mike Bone's radar long before he made the move to hire Lincoln Riley? Because in my opinion, the move looks 100% risk-free at this point in time. I wouldn't be nearly as confident if we stayed in the pack. Fight on from John. Um, I mean, Mike Bone was on the show more than two years ago saying, you know, I asked him, could you go to another conference? Could you go independent? He said all options are on the table. So, yes, he's been thinking about this for a while. Um, Probably a few months ago is when USC reached out. And sometime after that, UCLA got involved. But I think the initial... Um, you know, I guess the, the, the initial contact came from the USC side, I would say. And then the last couple of weeks, I think it came together fairly quickly. The fact that they kept it quiet was pretty impressive, but, um, I don't think the deal was in the works a long time, but this was something that wasn't, it didn't happen at the last minute. I mean, this was something USC was, was interested in doing. Um, the, the, the interesting thing will be, we'll find out at Pac-12 media day, like, did USC come to George Klyovkov and ask for a bigger share? Did George Klyovkov offer a bigger share to USC? Did no one ever talk about it? And then USC just left without expect. You know, it's like one of those things like, is she going to call me? Is he going to call me? And no one calls. And then you say, well, no, I got another call, so I'm going to go off. And then you leave your your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And then it's like, hey, what happened? I'm like, well, you never called me. Well, you never called me. I don't know. I'm curious to see. I think we'll find out some of that stuff at Pac-12 Media Day, Chris. George, was your Montana trip ruined by this by this news? What were you doing? You're like you fly out? fishing, and then boom, his phone blew up, and uh, all craziness happened. Uh, let's see. Any other thoughts on that, Chris? Or you good? No, you pretty much got it. That wasn't a move. That isn't a move you make without extensive planning. Yeah, and research. And, and USC's done that. Yeah. We've we've. They do their homework. Yeah. They get their ducks in order. 
They don't. They don't. Uh, especially with a guy like Brandon, they don't. Uh, they take their time. Right. It's not like the spontaneous. Yeah. Still to the Big Ten. I mean, we put it. To be fair, in April, I put in the war room. What a big, you know, uh, a, a big Big Ten source was telling me that USC had reached out, and you know, I got to know this guy, and I didn't know him from anybody, and uh, he just has a pretty good Big Ten connection. He's not like a reporter; he's just he's a message board guy. But he said things that have been true, like on multiple occasions. So I I trusted what he was saying. That's why I put it in the war room, and you know, so. If you're a uscfootball.com subscriber, and if you're not, you can do that for a buck. So get in there. Uh, go to uscfootball.com. Sign up. You could read, you could have read about this in April. So damn, yeah, a little flex. Uh, Eric Duck Country says, Ryan and Chris, sorry, this is more of a comment than a question. When Oregon fans are upset about being snubbed by the Big Ten, people always talk about the LA TV market. But another important thing is, crazy as it sounds, Big Ten fans care about USC. My in-laws are in Ann Arbor and are Michigan boosters. My brother-in-law went to Illinois. Their best friends went to Ohio State. They all constantly ask me about USC. I've lived in Portland for 10 years now, and I never get asked about Oregon. So the value of USC is not just a TV market. It has USC games that will bring Midwest viewers as well. Oregon doesn't have that draw. USC has been the foil of the Big Ten for decades. Cue the Star Wars music. It's the team they love to hate. Uh, thanks, as always, Eric and Duck Country. USC's a brand. It's a brand. It's a brand. It has cachet. It is a blue blood. Other blue bloods and other programs that care about football care about blue bloods. In the same, they, high, they hold them in higher respect. And obviously, when you play a blue blood, you get uh, better environments. I'm not saying Oregon fans like wouldn't travel for games like that, but just like, USC has that history and national championships. I know that's a favorite one of uh, yes on the social media to make fun of the Ducks for, but they have all that. And, you know, Oregon has come a long way as a football program uh, with with uh, their facilities and their uniforms. And, you know, they beat Ohio State in Ohio State last year. So they, they're not, you know, they're not a uh, – the heck was that? I don't know. <laughs> they're not. Uh, they're not a slouch, but they're not. They're not USC's. They're not a blue blood. Right. They're not a historical program, and I think that that's that's the major difference. Yeah, it's a, the brand thing. It's not just the TV market. It's the brand. I mean, like Oklahoma's not in a big TV market, but they've been around a long time. They've won national championships. They've had legendary coaches. Um, it's sort of, you know, and like, I was thinking about some analogies because I, you know, you know, I love the analogies. Oh, yeah. Like, USC is sort of like Microsoft. Like, they've been around a long time. Like, everybody knows them. You know, are they always, like, is Microsoft the best browser out there? Like, are you using Internet Explorer or using Chrome? Like, you're probably using Chrome. But, you know, it's, you if you have a PC, you got Microsoft on your computer. Like, it's just, it's been around forever. And Oregon's more of a, like, they're like Twitter. Like they're, you know, they're new to the scene, but they're huge, right? They're, you know, everyone's using Twitter, all this big deal. Um, but there's, if Twitter kind of like screws up, you kind of go away and you could become like MySpace where like Microsoft can screw up 
for years, but they've been around for so long. Like it's not that easy for them to kind of go away. And you've, you know, you, you have history with Microsoft, you know, like you remember stuff from, you know, the nineties or whatever, when you were using your computer for the first time, whatever it is. And Twitter's newer. It's only been around like 10 years or so. And so, yeah. And you know, it's, it's been, it's a great run for Oregon. Like the last 10, 15 years have been amazing. You know, the, what, what they've been able to do, go into a couple of national championship games, but it's not easy. It's like the new money, old money. It's hard to break into that, that club. Uh, and if, if they had have won a couple championships in the last 15 years, I think this could be a different story, but they've just sort of been like on the cusp doing well. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with Phil Knight and the support and just really kind of building up that brand Oregon's come a long way in a short amount of time. Their brand has a lot more respect than the, it did than it, it has ha- has ever had. Right, but I mean, no, no respect among USC fans. I see it all the time on social media, but it's just the difference between being respected and sort of being a royalty in college football like USC. Yeah, yeah, USC is is royalty, and uh, that's not easy to do. Uh, it's not easy to overcome. Now. Who's to say, like, if Oregon makes some runs and they win a couple championships and stuff, they, you know, and USC just doesn't do well. Like, if USC had, like, a decade like it's just had and Oregon had, like, a decade like that, but they stepped it up and, like, won a couple titles, who's to say that Oregon wouldn't be the bigger brand? And they would be, you know, back when this was going down a year ago with uh, Oklahoma and Texas, I told all you guys, there's only one brand in the Pac-12 that wouldn't get left behind. Like, if there's going to be... Someone poaching the Pac-12, USC is always going to be involved. They wouldn't take Oregon and UCLA. You know, that just wouldn't happen. It would be USC and somebody or a bunch of people. But another decade or so of USC just not doing anything and Oregon like winning a couple titles, maybe that would change. But it's it takes a lot for something like that hierarchy to move. Um, like like the email we're saying about the, you know, the history and the email, you know. USC's been in 34 Rose Bowls, like more than a third of the Rose Bowls USC's been in, and they won 25 of them. You know, it's like the Yankees when they won like like every fourth World Series. Like USC's won like every fourth Rose Bowl or something. So that's a, I mean, that's a lot of Big Ten teams getting their butts beat by USC. And that that that's something you remember. You know, like Northwestern's been to one Rose Bowl, right? And they lost to Keyshawn Johnson at USC. They're never going to forget that. You know, like the, that's the only time they've been. Uh, you know, how many times has Michigan lost? USC has a winning record against every team in the Big Ten, uh, or not a losing record. I think there's a couple ties, and some teams that haven't played, like your Terps, right? Um, there, there's so there is a lot of history. There. I think that's a good point. There's a lot of history between USC and the Big Ten, much much more so than USC and Oregon. I mean, uh, Oregon and the Big Ten. Um, we have an email. There's someone. Ooh. Oh, sorry. Someone, I, I didn't mean to pull that up. Someone sent a, uh, a, a a YouTube video. I wanted to pull it up because I didn't see what it was. But I'll read what John in Oakland said. Have you seen this data-based uh, assessment of which Pac-12 school the Big Ten should add if Notre Dame decides to join that conference? I was shocked that it was Stanford. However, their reasoning seems very sound. It factors in the size and success of Stanford's athletic teams beyond just football the vast amount of the money that the university has, top academic rating and funded research portfolio that Big Ten presidents would find being um, associated with a very attractive, uh, with with very attractive, 
the existing annual football game with Notre Dame, the San Francisco San Jose TV sports market, and the large number of Big Ten alumni living in that area. He said, if you were the commissioner of the Big Ten and could pick just one more school from the Pac-12 to open to pair up with Notre Dame during the Big Ten, who would it be? Oregon, Washington, Utah, Stanford, or another one? Thoughts, John, in Oakland. And I'll, I pulled up that. Um, I, they were showing a bunch of revenue and stuff there, but there was a, it was a YouTube video, and I who, who was this? I don't know. It's they were talking about some of the um, you know the benefits of having a. You know, Oregon has a bigger brand as far as football and stuff goes, more, you know, success recently. But there's a lot of aspects of bringing in Stanford, Northern California, bigger market, all that kind of stuff. It's a deeper resume. Yeah. Um, what are you, any thoughts on that, Chris? Like, who would no, be? No, I, th- I think all those points uh, that, what was her name? Uh, John and Oakland. John and Oakland laid out. And yeah, that's that's the reason why Stanford has been like the name that's been pushed out there more with Notre Dame over, you know, Washington and uh, Oregon. So all that makes sense. So and I think also like with the UCLA rivalry, it, it, you could preserve that game that it has with Stanford, USC and Stanford. So yeah. I think that's just also another uh, another appeal to them as well in, ter- in terms of, you know, keeping some of the history going and, you know, cultural fans like history and tradition in a, in a time where we're moving past history and tradition into these super leagues. So I think that that'd be a nice little, you know, thing to hold on to. So I think that would also play into it. And Stanford would be my pick as well. Yeah. So kind of different thoughts on this. I would say not necessarily different from you, the, the Stanford aspect is very interesting because you could see Stanford like literally dropping football and saying, yeah, we're going to be good in all these other sports. We're just not going to play this game. We have like a $30 billion endowment. We'll, we'll, we'll be fine. Um, or going with Notre Dame into the Big Ten and having their athletic department make you know $100 million a year and being part of the Big Ten. Like, there's a wide range of what Stanford could do. The problem with Stanford is I just don't see them playing the new game. College football's changed, especially in the last year. NIL, all this stuff. Um, you know, we're going towards a model where payers are gonna, players will get paid by the universities. They could end up being employees. Like, this is the road we're kind of going down. And, and there's certain fans that are just, they don't like it the way, it's, the way it is right now. It's a lot different than it was a year ago, and they're not going to like it when it, you know, the more it gets to these, you know, your your job at school is not to be the student athlete. You don't maybe maybe you don't have to take as many classes. You have to actually play football. That's what you're doing. Like if you were a music student, like you're you're learning about music, like you're learning about football when you're a football. Yeah, it's a big deal. We could be going to something like that. I don't. It doesn't seem like Stanford wants to play that game. They don't like the way it's going, and we're not stopping here. Like it's going to keep evolving. And all this money, the TV money and all that stuff has is impacting that. So I'm not sure, will Stanford want to play the game? Will they be able to be competitive? Or are they going to join the Big Ten and be 3-9 and nine every season like they were last year? Um, I don't think they're going to be good this year. Um, I, I don't see them being very good with David Shaw, the way things are going. They, I, you know, they, they weren't playing in the transfer portal. They got a lot of guys out, and they weren't bringing guys in. It's hard if you graduate, you're... You know, 
it's hard to get into grad school there. So you like graduate, you're a Stanford player, you transfer out to go grad school somewhere else, even if you want to stay. So there's a there's some limitations there that I think they would have to change sort of the way they do things, which I don't think Stanford really wants to do. If you're USC, um, I think you want Stanford to go and not like an Oregon, mm-hmm. um, most likely. But I, I think I would probably pick Stanford as well. Uh, but it would be weird to split up from Cal. It's just, but I think it helps. You got to get over the weirdness. Got to get over the weirdness. I mean, having a a 45 minute plane flight for the Stanford games, I think it would help. Having another California school, I think would help. Um, Eugene's still a long trip, you know, like if you, if that's your third school, um, I think you'd rather have someone as close as possible. So you don't have to have, you know, long Midwest trips and then also a long West coast trip. Um, So yeah, that's my thoughts on that. We got a couple more. Uh, USC Don wrote in. I noticed websites are putting an NIL value on high school football players. Curious how they're determining that value when most have not chosen a college. Is it based on Twitter following, Instagram? Or most likely someone says, wow, I think this guy's worth $100,000. It's probably more of that. I believe NIL will play a bigger part in college selection in the future. We are seeing so many new changes because uh, ADD is playing a bigger part in decisions uh, basically, if you want to compete in today's economic landscape, ADD gives you an advantage. Should be an interesting year for USC. That's from Don. Um, yeah, I don't think you, I, I think there's people trying to put values on this stuff where it's just a it kind of feels like a crapshoot. Yeah, really no. I've had people send me stuff like there's no way that guy's worth that or that guy's worth way more than that. So, yeah, I, I don't pay attention to that. That's not something that we do. Um so I think they're trying to base it off like an athlete or recruits like social reach, whether that be like Instagram or Twitter and like how much uh, how much if you if you if they like sponsored a product for you, like how much would their reach go if they have 50,000 followers or 300,000 followers? Like what is the reach of them? You know, if they advertise on their Instagram or their or their or their social media, uh, like Twitter. Yeah, I, I think that's that's not like the full scope of it, but I think that's also a big part of it. Like if you have, if you have five hundred thousand followers, that's a lot more reach than someone who has you know eight thousand followers, something like that. Right, and you can do that just for like regular people. But mm-hmm. I think yeah, that's. I mean, it's a market. You're worth what people are willing to pay, and. It, I, yeah, I don't think there's a, a way to – I think that's a kind of a gimmicky thing to try to calculate, um, but that's, you know, whatever. Uh, we got Tom, last one. He's in the Cayman Islands, class of 2007. Hey, Ryan and Chris, regarding USC's recruit recruiting for guys on the offensive-defensive line, I've heard the issues going back to even the Pete Carroll days, but I can't help but wonder why it is even our current uh, conference rivals, such as Oregon and Stanford, can get four- and five-star linemen, but USC struggles. Do you know if Lincoln Riley – had these issues at Oklahoma as well. Also, do you see USC trying their hand at the transfer portal more in the future? For Lyman, given that the West Coast, they still have a bit more development to do when they get to campus than their East Coast counterparts. And finally, do you see recruiting getting easier for USC if the rest of the Pac-12 teams are left out of the Big uh, Big Ten SEC? Really enjoy the show. Fight on from Tom. What do you think, Chris? There's a lot. There's a lot there. There. I will – well, I think I mentioned earlier, but I definitely think they're going to have to lean on the – continue to lean on the transfer portal. 
especially if they have to, maybe not they're not getting the top 100 five-star guys. You know, you get a couple four-stars, the guys you're going to have to develop a little bit more, kind of three-stars. You know, Henson's known for being a developer, so maybe develop those guys a little bit more instead of having maybe that instant impact guy. Yes. And then supplement that with guys out of the portal because there will be guys in the portal. Will there be a lot of guys in the portal uh, in the offensive line? Probably. Probably not. Probably not. Well, probably as, not. As, like, I meant I meant I meant probably not going to be a super stack list like 10 guys. You're probably going to have like yeah. three guys and you're going to have to like really recruit them. So I think that's the the blueprint right now. Blueprint. Blueprint right now. And going back to the other like Oregon and Stanford, you know, I can't has Stanford been recruiting? Not lately. No, they were no. before. Uh, but well, I mean not. they had those really two generational guys. Uh, uh what were their names? Andres Pete. Well, Andres Pete, yes. Uh Foster Sorrell and uh Walker. What was it? They have, like they have number two tackles in the country. Yeah. And it just bleh, didn't didn't hit. Uh, I mean, they had some injuries, but whatever. I'm, I'm getting off topic. I, so I don't think Stanford is in that group right now, but no. Oregon definitely is obviously has been a thorn on the side. And a lot of that went back to, I think, what Crystal Ball was able to do at Oregon. You know, his offensive line guy, he was recruiting the heck out of the offensive linemen. And I mean, I think, I think Oregon's just, uh, they got a really good recruit over there, and Adrian Clem, who. You know, he's got some uh, sh- some penalties against him from NCAA show calls. That's yes. not me saying anything. I'm just saying they have they have some recruiters over there. And, you know, they got Phil Knight bags. You know, they have they have they're playing NIL game uh, more so like the big boys. So I, I think that that's also a factor in it. No, I think you're right. And uh, I don't think this is a Lincoln Riley problem. This is a um, I mean. It's something that's not fixed overnight. And Lincoln Riley fixed a lot of things overnight. And we talked about this earlier. You got to win some games. I think that's going to be a huge part of this. And I feel like if you do that going forward, you're going to be able to recruit, you know, some of the top linemen. And especially now, I mean, by all accounts, it looks like if you're going to lose out on some top West Coast linemen going forward, it's going to be tougher for the Oregons of the world if they're not the Big Ten to be able to compete. There's the, there, you know, if they're offering more money, that's one thing, but there's also what's the term? If you're going to be relegated to uh, an also ran conference and you have an opportunity to go to like a USC and be on a much bigger stage, I think that's something that's going to be a benefit too. I, I don't think it's going to impact this recruiting class all that much, but 2024, 2025, I think now you're going to start getting to, Oh, USC is going to be playing at Michigan and they're going to, you know, Ohio state's coming to the Coliseum, like things like that. I think that's going to help as well, but you got to win games. He's done so much without winning a single game at USC. He's changed it. I mean, just think about how things were a year ago and think about now. And you're like, wow, it's so different. Like go back to losing to Stanford, a three and nine Stanford team, losing to Stanford, firing the head coach, Dante Williams taking over the team, you know, wins the game at Washington state and then starts spiraling out of control, you know, just losing games. They shouldn't lose. And think of where USC was then to now it's not perfect, 
but it's so much better than it was. And they're, you know, it's not like they're going to stop and this is the way that it's going to be. They're going to keep getting better, but there's only so much you can change in a short amount of time. So without playing a game, I don't know if anyone's changed, you know, the structure of a college football program as much as Lincoln Riley has since November, you know, without having won any football games. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, anything else, Chris? We got the, the Big Ten now. I got nothing. Big we Ten ha- coming up. We have to decide what, what I mean, we're like the end of the show. Yeah. We're wrapping it up here. We have to decide what we're baking off. Okay. Because we talked about how we want to do it at the end of the month. So we're both baking the same thing. Yeah. I mean, do you want to keep it simple and do like chocolate chip cookies or something? Or? I thought we said a pie. You want to do a pie? Did we say a pie? I feel like we said a pie. Uh, we can. I mean, that's... If, who's, if anyone's... We still got comments? Can we do, uh, I just want someone... Throw out what I can't put the comments on the screen. I don't anymore. I don't care. I just want someone to yeah. throw out something like the first thing you that catches your eye. We're up to like 160 live. Oh now. my goodness, you more people watching. Degener- I guess they're wa- they're just waking up. You degenerates. They weren't up uh, at nine, but they're up at ten. So me and Ryan are having a bake off at the end of the month. We're gonna bake the same thing, but we can't decide what to bake. So just someone give us something. But something good. Like don't say Right. Don't don't tell me. Let's say like rhubarb squared or something. Yeah. yeah, I want, I want a, I want a dessert that people recognize, that people will want to eat because we'll need tasters. We still have to figure that out. But right now, I just want to figure out. We got the fat, date. fat bank says chocolate chip cookies. Oh my gosh! Oh, Kings fan says banana cream pie. That's not really. That's not like as much baking. Um, uh, Blackie Chan plays cupcakes. I kind of like that. Cupcakes. Okay. I've never it gives made, you some creativity. I've never made cupcakes from scratch. So does that mean we... we Michael Ford says cheesecake, which is just terrible. You don't uh, like cheesecake? No, I like cheesecake, but that's just like... That's not something you like come over and like, I made a cheesecake as much like, you know, wow. pies, cookies. Not a big cheesecake guy. I I, that's fine. David says meat pie. No, these didn't follow. Meat pie. <laughs> no, a dessert. Chocolate cream pie. Baked Alaska, Bananas Foster. Yeah, we want a torch out there. Uh, baklava or cannolis? Brown, oh, cannoli sounds brownies, so hard. Fudge. We could do brownies. So let me just, if we do cupcakes, that's okay. the most like interesting one. Creme brulee. Do we, do we, do <laughs> we, anybody got scones? Bar? Scones are not a dessert. You Mark. think it'd be a des- dessert? No, scones are what you get at like Starbucks when you didn't eat breakfast yet. Look. I'm sure someone has made a dessert scone on Chopped in some regard. Yeah. So if we make cupcakes, do we have to make the same cupcakes? Or are we are we up to make our own? Like you make double chocolate, whatever, and I make strawberry peanut butter cupcakes. I don't know. Is that is that what we're going with? Or do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, no, I think you want to you want to have some creativity there. So okay, so we're, we wouldn't be pigeonholed to making the same cupcake. No, is unless we, but if we were like an apple pie, we both have to make apple pie, just however we want. Yeah, probably okay, something okay, like okay, that. Okay. Like if it was a pie, but if like if it I was need a, a specific... cake, if it was cake, would probably like give you some options. Right. Um, what do we got here? Any, anything else? Uh, we got anyone say banana cream cheesecake, bananas Foster. Um, what is bananas so, foster? It's like, uh, yeah, you don't. It's, it's very complicated. <laughs> Red velvet cupcakes. 
That's Ooh, good. I love me some Red Velvet. I do love Red Velvet. We could do that. Uh, Fat Bank was like Ryan and a torch. Yeah, like if you do like a creme brulee, you have to like get the crust on the top. And so you like, you kind of torch the top. You know, like I mean, you don't have to do it that way, but that's like the way to do it. Right, yeah. Yeah, we, we're not trying to like... Yeah, I don't want to do a heat skills challenge with no. Ryan because he deep fries his own turkey every year. I do that. The man has heat skills. I, I, I'm i going to be honest. I kind of like red velvet cupcakes. You want to do that? I'm a big red velvet guy. Okay. Um, or do you just want to do cupcakes and we can do whatever we want? We could... Why don't we say red velvet cupcakes? All right. Okay. This is a shaking on a... Uh, I like it. All right. Red velvet cupcakes are what we're going to do. I don't think I've ever made a red velvet cupcake. I've never so. made anything red velvet outside of like a box cake, and I've never made cupcakes from scratch, so I'm excited to do this. Yeah. I'm going to tweet it out so it's official. Okay. Next week we'll f- next time we'll figure out how we're going to get someone to taste test. Maybe one of these degenerates that don't have jobs can come. <laughs> we, they can meet us at a, at a location in Redondo. Anyone who's local can come. And taste these bad boys out. Okay. Um, or we just ship him to Shotgun and make him decide. I don't know. He's not a, That's a, joke. He's not that a big work. sweet guy. It could work. Um, I like it. And it has to be like a blind taste test, right? Yes. So we're just like, which cupcakes do you like better? I'm calling it the Parasol, po- Parasol Podcast Bake Off. Okay. I like it. Um, all right. Well, I think that's going to wrap things up. Uh, someone was saying 24 layer chocolate. Yeah, like we don't want it to be, <laughs> don't need that. Kings fan, we have, yeah, we have to get a judge. Yeah, we need a judge. Mark says no box mixes, right? I need an impartial judge, not someone you went to college with or go to Dodgers games with or we're at their wedding. I need an impartial listener. Well, if it's blind, it doesn't matter. That's true, but still. <laughs> But still. If it's a blind taste test, it wouldn't matter. Um, there's a big uh, beach volleyball tournament uh, on July 30th called Smackfest that I play in every year. We could bring it some down there. Are you suggesting there. we bring? We could bring some cupcakes down to the beach. This is an away game for me. It would be an away game. <laughs> and to be fair, most of the people would probably have adult beverages. So, so we drunk. would have to get them early. Like, so before. No, I think drunk are the better. I think. Okay, so I later think- on. Yeah, it's like I only do magic for drunk people and small children. That's my sweet spot. I've done I've done one once. It's actually funny. Um, Mike McGivoray, he was a former USC punter. He has twin sisters who I had met randomly because uh, I coached some volleyball classes in Hermosa Beach. Met with them. They have like a cookie company, so they bake cookies. Like I think they have other jobs, but they have like a cookie company that would bake cookies. So sister, twin sisters, former USC punter. I'd met them down in class. We had all become friends. And uh, we had a bake-off. This was, I don't know how many years ago. This was a long time ago. And uh, it was very close. And they they really appreciated my cookies. Uh, I'd made these peanut butter balls my mom would make. Uh, but I think they made like a, a chocolate chip cookie that had like a peanut butter cup in the middle of it and stuff. Anyway, but we brought it down to the beach. People were eating them. They loved them all. And then we had a little... Bake off down there. So I've done one down there before. Would be a road game for you. So we don't have to do that, but there would be a bunch of potential judges there. That's a good point. We That's could get someone point. from USC. We could like go into Brandon would have been perfect. Get Mike Bone to do it. Brandon does <laughs> no, he he doesn't eat a I've lot. I've never of stuff. seen him eat anything. He has some dietary uh 
restrictions, like some and allergies. He's in, and, and he's stuff. in Detroit, so <laughs> yeah, he's in Detroit. Uh, but like, man, heck, we could bring it in. Could have got, know. we could have got Keely, but she also has dietary restrictions. Yeah, Keely's terrible at this stuff. Uh, she has to be gluten free and everything. Um, but we could bring it in. How we could get some players? Do you think we could get what, a couple players? What if we, we do it at? Oh, I guess we could. They wouldn't let us bring to Pac-12 Media Day. <laughs> no. Uh, well, maybe. Yeah, we could get. Um, but we could bring it to USC and get like a we don't coach. we don't get, we don't get could search. Lincoln Riley do it for us? We like, don't get. <laughs> we could do we that. could have someone do it on uh, the row. Don't you have a radio? Are we doing like a thing on the road? Like get a. Uh, oh no, I don't think I'm getting that on Pac-12 Media Day. Get a get a commit. I requested. I requested to blind test. I requested like Radio Row for Pac-12 Media Day, but I don't think I'm going to get that because USC left. Look, I don't think we get searched for Pac-12 Media Day. So who's no. to say we couldn't bring our cupcakes? We could. And have some media people judge. That's I, that's There's potential for that. Even though I know they have their own sweet treats, but maybe the budget, they won't have it this year. Yeah, they sometimes they've had cupcakes. Usually they'll have like a themed, like I think there was a donut wall. So each school has like a donut that represented. Last year was, was it ice cream sandwiches last year? I forget what it was. This was COVID-y. Remember, like it was like yeah, I I, I I never end up getting that because I always forget to get it. But I oh, feel like it was like ice, ice do, cream Chris. sandwiches or something. It might have been. I mean, I, that's that's main reason why I go there is to get the desserts. They're good. I forget what it was, but it was you know it's all themed um, for each school. So like you're like, oh, do I want the Utah donut or do I want the Oregon State donut? You know, things like that. I'm gonna start training. Yeah, two weeks to prepare. Okay. Uh, but I like we'll both be making red velvet cupcakes. Uh, I think cupcakes are interesting because there's like a ratio, an icing ratio that's important. Some people have like this little thin. No, I don't. I'm not. I'm not letting you get in my head. Okay, stop talking. You're, so, you're trying to I, get in my head. Worry about the the icing ratio. You're going down, Abraham. Okay. You're going down, old volleyball dude. <laughs> well, we've been rambling on long enough. Uh, let's. It's fine. It's fine. Let's they're free this. to they're free to go back to their jobs if they want. Right, go back to sleep. Whatever you're gonna do. Um, okay. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in to the Peristyle podcast. And if you're watching live or watching the replay on YouTube, we appreciate that as well. That is Chris Trevino right over there. I am Ryan Abraham. Uh, hope you enjoyed the show, and we will talk to you next time. You may have noticed that shopping at Trader Joe's is unlike shopping at other markets. People ask us all the time how we manage to have such unique, interesting, and delicious products at such great everyday prices. This is Dan Bain of Trader Joe's. The answer is simple. It's all in the way we do business. We buy directly from the manufacturer whenever possible. This helps to keep our costs low, and we pass those savings on to you. No gimmicks, just great values at honest prices. Every day at Trader Joe's. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting.
Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.